All right, here we go. One, two, three. This is episode 321 on April 24th, 2019. And that didn't go. Why didn't it go? Oh. All right, let's try this again. Actually, what I'll do is I'll just, I'll uh, delete that part out. So here we go. One, two, three. Because it's not April, darling. <laughs> yeah, it isn't. It's October. <laughs> I was thinking, are we going to like, say October. are we going to in time? Okay. October. Okay, good. There you go. All right, here we go. <laughs> it, it's y'all's say, you, you, schedule, not mine. <laughs> see, you, you were just way too, you were just thinking, oh, all right. Yeah, obviously, it's warm, so Christmas, so uh, winter's over. Yay. Yeah. Forget geography. All right. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. One, two, three. I'm sorry. All right. One, two, three. This is episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> you could laugh while you do it. I know. It'd be happy. It'd be a happy podcast. <laughs> Believe me, I've done it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, one, two, three. This is episode 321 on October 24th, 2019. Set your photo apps down, iPhone photographers. It's time for Tiny Shutter Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Tiny Shutter Podcast, where we talk about iPhone photography and other things. I'm Joseph Ferreira. I'm Dave Podner. I'm Greg McMillan. And although Matt Hoffman can't be with us uh, this week, we do have a guest, and uh, her name is Mary Walker. Hello, Mary. Hi there. Yay! Welcome on. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Mary and I uh, discovered each other on Dayflash, and uh, um, we thought it would be very uh, interesting to hear about her. Um, or the way she does her photographic art on her iPhone. So, um, Mary, just uh, you know, give us a real quick brief outline of of the type of um, of, of artwork artwork that you do with your iPhone. Well, I do I do a lot of different kinds of things with my iPhone. I do regular, traditional, straight up photography. And I do really um, not at all looking photography because I'm using apps that are painterly apps on the phone. And I do images that are kind of in the middle of both of those things. So I do, I do everything I can do <laughs> with my iPhone. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that's... Um... And that's why I thought it would be great to have you on because that's kind of a, an area of the, um, uh, you know, mobile photography world that we've never really talked too much about. We've, we've talked about using apps for editing and things like that, but it was mostly for coming up with, you know, a, um, a visual representation of what was in our mind, I guess you could say, when we took the photo and not necessarily uh, creating the types of things that you create, which are, you know, there's many layers involved in some of them and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I just thought it would be really cool to, to hear how you come up with these things and, and, you know, kind of a little bits about the process and things like that. Um, 
there was an image that you shared with me. Uh, I'm trying to think of where that was now. I believe it was in an email. And, uh, oh, where is it? There it is. So it's an image of, of a flower that looks like it's kind of dilapidated a bit. And overlaid is some color and some text that says so many apps, which one to use. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, that image uh, was a quick way for me to communicate visually with you um, mm -hmm. about the kind of experience that I have been living for the last 10 years, which is uh, quickly being able to pull something from my camera roll, those words that you saw about so many apps, which one to choose, was a really quick straight up shot I made of a post-it note on the wall when I was working with a group of experienced mobile photographers and artists in Cape Cod back in the spring. I had asked them a question about, you know, what what is it that shows up as the most often most plaguing question that you have when you are trying to make something creative with your phone. Mm. And that was, and that was one person's post-it. And in my experience, that is everybody's question of me as the iPhone <laughs> art girl, because I've been getting apps from the app store for 10 years now, mm -hmm. I, I think I told you when we had a previous conversation, some people might be embarrassed by this, but I'm just a little bit appalled um, <laughs> that I have 900 plus photographic and drawing and painting apps in my um, account mm. in the app store. Wow. So, <laughs> and I thought I was bad. <laughs> it, it's bad. not that it's bad. It's not that it's bad. It's actually it's actually kind of cool. But uh, you know, I've I've always been famous for having probably thirty to forty or so apps that I can use with my photos. Oh my! Well, that that would be my tiny short list these days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and and there are lots of apps that have come and gone. You know, I've been doing this since we first started getting the first apps in the app store mm -hmm. and you know lots of things have floated away because developers put something out there to engage an audience and then um they did for a while and then it got expensive to continue to upgrade them or develop them further and they were either selling them for nothing or 99 cents maybe and they didn't have the right kind of profit to right. continue so then, you know, new things came and old things went. And, you know, I, I rue the day that some of those apps no longer were available. Right. But um, I, I have been experimenting wildly and also very, very comprehensively with apps since I picked up my first iPhone. So, so that image, when somebody left me that little post-it note on the wall... In order to 
communicate visually, which is what this device has offered me, is a brand new way of communicating as a human being that isn't just words and illustrations, but a synthesis of words and illustrations. And I, I wanted you to know that that's something that we could talk about today. So many apps and which ones to choose. I, I, mm-hmm. shoot, I shoot flowers around here all the time, along with all the other things that are directly right here in my real-time, everyday environment all around me. And I have discovered in the process of not thinking I need to go somewhere else but thinking I need to get my thinking out of the way so I could be right wherever I was with my vision. That's what the iPhone has let me do. And then because I have a long history uh, as a serious photographer, um, I've been continuously categorizing and taking apps to the edges of whatever they would allow me to do and then sharing the, what I was learning about the edges of the apps uh, with other people. So that's why people, you know, come do my workshops and come do my coaching program and 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 have crazy conversations with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me yeah, ask it, you. Uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Go, um, go ahead. Uh, the uh, the apps that you you know first started out with, um, you you probably got into a rhythm, and you know you get muscle memory, and then they go away. Um, is it is it more um, challenging, or do you find it that it helps your creativity to possibly move on to something to another app? Oh yeah, it, it's both. It's both challenging and um, a, a poke in the behind. Yeah. So um, you know, when when you were just speaking to begin with, uh, Greg, you know that you guys talk a lot, and I have loved listening to your podcast. You talk a lot about um, more traditional, representational, photographic processes, mm-hmm. and. Um, I am no stranger to those things. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have taught photography at the University of Texas. I've taught photography for 40 years in different places. Um, and I have serious traditional photographs in museum collections and lots of publications. I was a photojournalist to put you know, food on the table when my kids were little. Um, so when you talk about making a visual representation of what's in your mind when you take a photo. What has happened for me with the actual tool, the physical little square, little rectangular thing with different cameras inside of it, has it has changed my ability to represent what's in my own mind when I take a photograph. So I don't have to just make 
a traditionally well-exposed image, although I do that. Right. I I don't make poorly exposed or constructed images. I'm a very serious photographer, and it's been so long that I've been that, that that's not possible to stop. (laughs) <laughs> but I also have had, from the first iPhone I had, which was a 4S, um, the understanding that I could represent visually what was in my mind and my vision, my imagination, the imagination in, of our mind, as well as what was right in front of me. You and get the instant feedback too. And, uh, well, and then, well, because because unless <laughs> I'm making a double exposure, right, or or printing multiple exposures in the darkroom, I have to gather what I need to have to make the representation of what was in my mind, which was way more than just what was right in front of my eyes <laughs> in one moment in space. So. Right. It's important, I, I think, to to talk about that when I first decided to take up photography seriously, it was because I saw a Jerry Yulesman show at the Sarasota, uh, the Ringling Art Museum in Sarasota. And when I saw what Jerry Yulesman was doing with 12 enlargers, exposing many different images, many different negatives onto one piece of paper. Oh man. It blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and that is I, crazy, yeah. I was never the same after I saw that beautiful big exhibit at my hometown museum. I was living in Sarasota. My I was going to college, but my my mother was the public relations director for the museum. And when I came home on a Christmas vacation, she said, oh my God, you have to come see this, this, these, this exhibit. This is like nothing I've ever seen in my life. And my mother was not a photographer. My mother was a writer and she didn't want me to be a photographer. She wanted me to be a writer. I was training <laughs> to be a, a philosopher and an English teacher and a writer when wow. I was in college. And when I went to that exhibit, it, you know, it did something to me that altered the course of my life. So it allowed me to notice that everything that we see with our eyes is matched in our imagination with an image. We may not be conscious of it, but it's matched in there. Mm. And working with, you know, first of all, traditional cameras with film and then working with digital cameras you know, I spend a lot of my life sitting in front of my computer, taking first in the dark room, but then in front of my computer, taking um, multiple images and sewing them together. And the first time I picked up the, the iPhone, I went, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Look what As I'm we all here. did. <laughs> and I could just see sit on the couch when yeah. I go in. I don't have to go strap myself to that screen and yes. yet one more pointing device. Yes. That that isn't on the same plane with the screen. I can I can move things around with my fingers right on the screen. Yes. 
And, and I, that was another one of those moments where I went, Oh my. <laughs> and, and I yeah. and seriously, I mean, people have heard me tell the story, but you know, I sat there and cried for an hour. <laughs> Just sitting there with relief, not yeah. sadness. Oh yeah. 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 With utter relief sitting on my couch going, Oh no, this has really <laughs> happened. So let well, me. I don't have to go back in the room anymore. I don't have to go take yes. my computer, yes. me take mm-hmm. my camera, go through all the process, find the damn cords, plug it in, right. open these things, do all these things that I was doing. I can just sit here with it, and and I think I told you, Greg. I you know, and you might have been one of those people too. I was one of those people that got. Um, Snapseed when you still had to pay for it. Yes, yes, yes. And and it was a lot of money for apps back then. I mean, there were so many that were free, and there were some that were ninety nine cents. Four ninety nine. You know, I I yeah. opened Snapseed and went, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it, it was long enough ago that we got that that I paid four ninety nine as well. Like, yeah. So I the dollar was almost par. Yeah, four ninety nine, yeah. and and then you know for a while. I was just in a fugue. I mean, I was just shooting and walking around and either coming back to my house and sitting on the couch. I didn't have to go sit at the computer desk. Yes. And and then I was going to go to a coffee shop and waiting for somebody. And I was opening the thing and I was learning the phone and learning how not to ever wait again, mm-hmm. how to engage my creative intelligence Whenever I felt like it. So let me, let me, uh, that's a big deal. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me explain how, uh, because your, you know, what you said really resonated a little bit with me, but I, I had a little bit of a different angle. Um, so, you know, I, I started off in 99, you know, I took a class, got dark room and, you know, saw the images float to the surface on the paper. And I thought, man, I'm hooked. Um, and, and, but that was like the perfect storm of, you know, um, Digital was starting to make a, a, a scene, but it was still way too expensive. Film was becoming more expensive. And and so I kind of just kind of tossed, you know, left it alone a little bit and got little point and shoots. Um, and then I picked up a DSLR and it was like, oh, this is great. I can take all these pictures. But then I was a slave to my computer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and so I, I started to not want to take pictures anymore i didn't want to have to deal with files anymore and when the and so i started getting into sort of a creative slump and you and and millions yes of people yes and the iphone so uh the iphone was my uh my my way of like you said getting those creative juices flowing and not being, you know, tied to the computer, um, nailed to a desk, and you can go out anywhere at any time and create images and, and be able to, you know, let yourself go free. And so when you said that, I was like, yes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so the other part of this, um, and Greg and I spoke about this, but I'll speak about it again. The other part of this is that um, along with photography, I've done a lot of other things in the world. And, 
one of them is study cognitive science. And it wasn't a year into using that first little 4S that I started noticing that I didn't have a viewfinder. Mm. <laughs> and um, at first, my brain was just substituting the experience of looking through a viewfinder as just looking at the screen right. of the phone where I'm making the image. But shortly thereafter, it wasn't a year, I realized one afternoon, wait a minute, I, I'm not excluding my peripheral vision. Hmm. And when I put this rectangle in front of me, I'm still in the picture that I'm making. I'm in the picture. It's not over there. It's here yeah, where you're we in are, where I am with whatever it is that I'm looking at with the device. And the more I noticed that, the more I went back and started looking at the kinds of images that I was making. And I wasn't doing a lot of crazy, you know, editing, filtering. I was using Snapseed and some other apps. I was playing a little bit, but mostly I was using the tools to do what I knew how to do, which was make a well-exposed, properly saturated, properly sharpened, properly everything else image of what was in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing, wait a minute, it's not in front of me. It's with me. And as I began to notice that, I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. So is this stuff that's in my head about this and my feeling about it. And so my process from early on, I mean, within the first year of using it, I began to do an entirely different kind of editing than I had ever done with my work. I had been a printmaker, a serigrapher. Uh, some of the work that I did uh, with film included making very large mural-sized prints and then hand coloring them or putting other things into the prints. Um, so I've always engaged with the image, but this was, wait a minute, I don't even know what the image is. The image here is a place to start, but what was I really looking at? Was I, was I just looking outside of me or was I looking at something that what's outside of me triggered in what's inside of me. And again, I take you back to the conversation about Jerry Yulesman because his work was doing that. His work was creating images that were more real than our real experience by properly integrating and compositing things into a frame that weren't necessarily all there in real time in front of him. And I just have gone on from there. <laughs> I, I continue to engage with the work with an image that I see in my camera roll as a starting point for what I'm doing, not an end point mm. of my image making. And I can't, I mean, there's not even any way to talk about 
how much I've learned about myself in that process. And everybody doesn't want to do the kind of work I do. I'm not interested in trying to promote the kind of work that I do. But it turns out there are actually a whole lot of people that are really, really doing what I'm doing. They just didn't know how to articulate about it. And and that's this thing that's rolling out that we're calling mobile digital art, mobile art, whatever you want to call it. It's not computer-based. We're not tied to the kind of interface that Adobe gave us with Photoshop. We've got tools that let us interact with an image in whatever way we want to interact with it at the moment in time when we are seeing what we're doing, not just what we saw, seeing what we're making, not just what we saw to begin with. Does that make any sense, you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. We, um, we, a lot of times we do get focused on, uh, trying to make something instead of trying to create something. Um, and we lose track too of our, our surroundings. Um, and the processes can sometimes get in the way too. Uh, but you know, each of us does things differently. That's what makes us unique. Um, and, and so I, you know, just listening to, you know, you know, what you're talking about in, uh, seeing, uh, what Jerry, how do you say his last name? Yulesman? Yulesman. Mm-hmm. Yulesman. Um, his process, you know, his final results, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the image starts in your, started in his head, you know, and then he has to bring it out onto paper and, yes. And so there's a whole process that he goes, goes through and for him, you know, he's, he's putting out his art. He's, he's, um, the, the way that he wants to. And I, and I, I, sometimes I look at myself and I, and I think, am I pushing myself, you know, enough to, to really do what I need to do? And sometimes life gets in the way, other things get in the way, we get discouraged, and um, or we, we get into a creative slump. And so we have to find, you know, we have to self, um, uh, self-analyze, be able to, to take ourselves and, and figure out how we tick. But then at the same time, you know, are we pushing ourselves enough to make you know, the images that we want, um, with the tools that we have. And sometimes that's when people get really creative. Like they'll take, mm-hmm. they'll take a phone and, um, they'll, they'll take another piece of glass and stick it in front of it. Um, they may, you know, take pictures out, of, out of a binocular or a, or a telescope, or they may, uh, slap a micro, a macro lens on there and really get in, you know, get in deep. They don't need the entire world they just need a small very very small section of it to to create we have uh one of our uh listeners um and you know she's on she posts to the instagram group ithalu um she does phenomenal macro photography that just blows us away you know um we there we have listeners that are creative like that. Um, but it's the uniqueness of each one of us that, you know, art, you know, p- 
crops out and you know seeing your images and you know uh, i want to i want to you know know you know what is your process um you know when you sit down and you look at an image and say you know what i can I can add layers or double expose and be able to create something. Uh, do you ever, you know, like start doing something and then throw it away? Like delete Absolutely. it? Okay. <laughs> go, yeah. go through, go through that process. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I can start something and not want to carry it any further than making sure that it is extremely well edited so that it is a fine traditional photograph. So um, the, uh, when I when people ask me about what I do and, and why in the hell does a woman of my age with my experience call herself the iPhone art girl? <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, seriously, I'm like, yeah, I'm a girl. I mean, I've been a girl forever and I'm still a girl. But, you know, I... What happened to me with the phone is that the routines and all of the um, technical learning that I have since I started processing film and being serious about it in the early 70s, um, all of those things were superfluous. Because here I had this little rectangle thing. Yeah. It in the beginning had not the kind of resolution that any of my great big cameras ever had. Right. It had not the kind of editing tools that I could do use even you know if I'm doing digital editing um, on the computer. But it had interesting things I could play with an image with. You know, all, all the different app developers have different minds and they develop their tools to play with images in different ways according to their minds. And so when I sit down with something to edit, because I've been <laughs> playing with all these app developers for a long time now, for a decade, I can't even believe it. Um, I know what the tools will do. And. I'm curious about what will this particular image that interests me as I flip through my camera roll, I shoot a lot of stuff every day. And as I flip through the camera roll, my deal with myself as the iPhone art girl is I just pick one I like. Mm -hmm. I don't have to pick one that an art director is going to like. I don't have to pick one that an editor wants to buy. I don't have to pick one that goes with my brand, for God's sake. I don't have to do any of that. I just pick an image that interests me, and I open it, and I get serious as I look at it as a composition with color or without. I mean, I still shoot a whole lot in black and white, but I look at it as a composition, and then I'm like, okay, so why do I like this? And you don't have and to have a good reason why, but you, you like it, right? I, yeah, I don't have to have a rational reason. I allow myself, as the iPhone art girl, not to have a reason. And I laugh and I say, you know, I live here in my house with the iPhone art girl lives with her grandmother, who is 
an old shooter <laughs> yeah. and an old shooter and a photography teacher. And because she already knows all that stuff, when she sits down and she looks at what this girl is doing, she shuts up. You know, she doesn't tell her what to do. She doesn't tell her to look at the rule of thirds and she doesn't <laughs> yes. tell her to look at all these other things. She just watches with astonishment at what this this other intelligence that's just curious does to explore the image. And I, I wish I could say how that works. It, I, I can't say how that works other than to say that when I notice something, like all of us, stuff comes up for me. You know, different, like the, the there's an image, and I don't know if you want to put it on the podcast, you know, on the notes or something, but Greg responded to this image that I put up in Dayflash, which is kind of a weird image. Um, and and, the, and it's not just the images that I do, it's also the titling that happens. So the titling matters. Mm -hmm. it, it gives people a place to begin to encounter what that visual communication is. And the piece that he uh, was interested in was um, because the song was playing in my head while I was making the image of the song from, um, or the line from Eleanor Rigby was playing in my head. All the lonely people... Where do they all come from? That was playing in my head while I was sitting, editing on the swing on my porch in the morning with my dog, an image that I had made the day before that's kind of abstract. And it was derived out of forms that were on this fence that I built on the side of my house. It's an art fence. But there were some forms that I captured and then I was I opened iColorama which is my go-to for everything in the world app um, I opened it and started exploring and then I got tired of that image I was working on and I don't care if I'm working on something I let myself just stop being interested in it mm -hmm. and go back to the camera roll because it's right there in front of me. And it's only pixels, for God's sake. Yep. And it's just these things on my little phone. I mean, yes. I can't get into some neurotic stuff about I'm making a masterpiece. So I, I, I stopped working on that image, looked at my camera roll. Nothing else was jumping out at me. And then I looked down at my lap. And I had on this nightgown house dress thing that's an Indian garment made in India. Um, and it's got all these kind of tie-dye colors on it. And it had a bunch of stitching on it. And it's kind of faded. <laughs> it's the kind of thing I wear around the house when nobody else is going to be around. But I looked down at my lap and went, ooh, look at that. <laughs> and and so so I made a shot of... Uh, using the macro part of uh, Camera Plus, I made a shot of what was in my lap. I made several shots. And then after I looked at them, I was like, oh, wait a minute. What is this? And because I was playing previously with some brushes in iColorama, in the phone version of iColorama, I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to go get those brushes and see what I can do with this. And I started using the um, rebound, which is a particular function that's in iColorama in the brushes, using the rebound to re-render the colors and the lines that were 
in the shot I made of my nightgown, for God's sake. And I noticed as I was working with it, wait a minute, that looks like eyes. And and that looks like those red lines that are coming down off the eyes, they look like tears. And then I notice again, I'm singing Eleanor Rigby in my head. I'm not only not the only person that plays songs in my head all the time. <laughs> but but I play <laughs> But I, you know, I've, I've been in the radio since I was seven. So uh, Eleanor Rigby's playing, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is about those lonely people. Oh, I'm making a picture about the lonely people. Okay, well now, what else can I do to help with that? So, so what you were saying a second ago, it, it's interesting, Dave, because um, when you said Jerry Yulesman was, you know, making an image that started in his head. That's what I used to do when I was compositing with traditional film and using the computer, using mm -hmm. Photoshop. Yeah. What I have started doing with my phone is the image starts with something that's right in front of me. And mm -hmm. then I bring my head to meet that with curiosity and then I bring my feelings to meet it, and I notice what else is going on in my intelligence at the time, and then it takes me to the next place. So as I brought out more of the line work in that image with using iColorama and also using uh, I'm an Engine, which is a wonderful app. Do you guys know about I'm an Engine? No. No. Okay, well, I'm I'm an engine is a vector app. Oh, really? That, yeah, that you can take your images into and it will render them in all different kinds of vector formats with different kinds of algorithms. And I use it as a thinking tool. I use it when I think I know what the image is, but it doesn't hold any feeling for me. How, okay, how do you spell it? I M A E N G I N E. It's like imagine, but it's I'm an engine. And does the, the icon look like a camera shutter with a, uh, a fountain pen? No, no. I no. just sent okay. it to you guys. All right, wait a minute. Let me, um, we're okay. still talking. I'm going to tell you what it looks like. I'm going to go over okay. and look at it. Oh, yes, it does. I'm sorry. It does. Okay. It looks like a circle okay. with a fountain pen. Yes. Okay. Exactly what it looks like. So, yeah, and it's it's a crazy, it's a crazy, wonderful tool, especially if you're trying to get past what you think you already know about what an image is. So I had already made some images the day before in in behind back behind my house here was a beautiful creek called Bear Creek and a trail that I can walk on. And there's a big, um, there's the, the creek and then there's these pools of water and there were water lilies in the water. And I had shot some things of the water lilies, but it wasn't the water lilies that turned me on. It was the shapes that were in the lights and darks in the water lilies. And I brought one of those pieces in that I had explored with I'm an Engine because it helped me define the face that was in the image. And I was compositing it into it using iColorama and then still sitting with it and wondering, okay, okay, that's cool. That's yeah. Those people, like they're just floating around in there and they're, they're lonely. 
and their feelings are lonely. And okay, now what am I going to do to resolve the color here? So Stackables is an app that I use to help me glaze like I would if I was painting. Do you guys know Stackables? I think so. I've had it before, yeah. Okay, well, it's getting so that you can't use it anymore because they're not upgrading it. But you can you can you can probably still find it. Certainly, you can find Formulas, which is an app that the same developer made. Um, but it's it's literally Formulas. You don't have the control of all the little different pieces. But Stackables is like laying color and texture glazes over something to unify the color space. And so. You know, I was sitting there while the dog's chewing on his bone and and the the summer beautiful air was there, finishing this piece, glazing it, looking at it, and then going, well, that was an interesting place we just went. And, And then feeling a sense of satisfaction about my experience of the disconnection in the world and how difficult it is right now for people because of technology in some ways to really connect with other people. Yeah. And, and that image just ended up being my meditation on that for about two or three hours. So that might be a whole lot more than you wanted to know about how I think about (laughs) it, but that's how I think about it. Dave, did did you have any uh, yeah. questions? Oh, well, actually, my question was going to be more process um, in terms of did Mary have when she went out and did she have? Oh, I want I have a I have a, right now I'm feeling a certain way and I'm going to look for a photo and I have this particular edit in mind. Or, but it sounds, but that was kind of you definitely answered exactly what I was going to ask in terms of, you know, is it a matter of you have something in your mind and you're trying to find what's out there that would best express it? Or is it, I see something and it's the interaction between what you're feeling, what you're thinking internally with what you're seeing. And as you're editing and as you're manipulating the image and trying different things, it's bringing out, it isn't a static thought in your mind, but it's more bringing out and developing what you're thinking, what you're feeling while you're, editing if if i'm yeah if i'm right yeah it's more the second thing that you were saying and and it's actually i would say i learn from my images now what i'm actually thinking and what i'm actually feeling so um you know it's easy to put our thinking and feeling into these various different kinds of boxes because that's what we do when we're having you know regular superficial human communication but you know when i go when i go shoot in the afternoon and i do that almost every day for 10 years now uh with my dog i i don't know what's out there i just know that the light is great i mean i go when there's great light and i and i know that i think i know what's out there but you know, as I told Greg, if you go through my archive on my blog at iPhone Art Girl, um, I would say seriously 80 plus percent 
of the images that I've made over the last 10 years were made within a mile or two of my house. And the foundation images are straight photographs that I'm exposing the best way I can and exploring what I see where the light is falling and just letting the shooting process be a shooting process, just be a process of seeing what's right in front of me. And I don't try to edit and I'm trying very seriously not to think about what I call that thing that I'm photographing. It might be a flower. It might be a rock. It might be a landscape. It might be God knows what it might be a person. I try not to think about that or label it. Or lead somebody else. Yeah, I try to just use my vision. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I go back later, because, you know, the thing about what you're shooting with an iPhone is you can't really see what the hell you're doing while you're doing it. I mean, you can see, but, but then it's really good to go back inside into a controlled light environment and sit down with a quiet mind and look at your camera roll where you're not having glare on the screen and everything else. And then I look at, oh, really? I saw that. Whoa, what is that? Hmm. Let me see that. That interests me. And then sometimes it might turn into an edit of a straight image. And sometimes it might just be a doorway into what else I'm feeling or thinking, which I don't know. And sometimes I see something. I mean, to, to be honest, sometimes I see something and I am going to try to make the image into what I see in my mind, what I want it to be. But, oh, my God, you know, I did that for 30 years mm-hmm. in the darkroom and in Photoshop. And what I can and I know how to do that. And I'm just kind of bored with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so now it's like, what, what, what can I learn from this? So. Um, one, uh, one quick thing that I wanted to mention that, uh, since you talked about your first iPhone was a 4S, um, I still have mine. Me too. And I, one of the things that I was kind of disappointed with the new iPhones is that Apple is really putting a lot of emphasis in trying to make perfect images that they yeah. take away from the 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 nuances of what it you know what was created with some of these older cameras. I um, think that's just sad too and and it's going to happen. We don't we we don't get to choose that. Right. So we better keep those old ones. <laughs> yes. So I I still it's in my desk at work um and I still have my 4S. Uh I still have the Olo clip that I uh, got for it. And um and actually I think it was the 4S or the 3GS. I think it still is the 4S. I powered it up and pulled up Snapseed and it was still the old version. Oh, snaps. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I know. Uh, I know. I have deliberately not updated the OS on. I, yes. I have my 4S. I have my 6. I have my 7. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have my A+. Um, I sold my 5, which was actually my most favorite of all. But uh, 
at the time I needed the money to buy the next thing. Yeah. So I think the five was probably just before they they introduced the uh, digital stabilization for the images. Yes. That yes. really uh, bugged me. Um, yeah. And and and, and it, so it's it's been hard. I I have a seven. And, you know, but I can still look in and see the the imperfections that they were trying to put in there to make it perfect. And I'm in and, and it. And but when I, I, I just go to my 4S and start taking pictures with those and I'm like, this is what it's supposed to be like. And I remember <laughs> I, I remember yeah. <clears throat> I remember, you know, everybody says, oh, it needs to be a better camera. It needs to be a better camera. And the the first iPhone that I got was the 3GS. And everybody said, oh, it's terrible. It doesn't take good pictures. Yet I was able to make these images that people are like, no, you didn't do it with that. What, what did you really do it with? And it's like, no, if you actually study your craft, if you, if you put into it the, uh, the amount of time, get to understand how it works, you can make amazing images with something that is basically throwaway. You know, how many Absolutely. pieces of art are out there that were done with a point-and-shoot camera? A yeah. disposable 35-millimeter point-and-shoot camera. Yeah, and I've used all those cameras. And, and you know, I used to love my Diana cameras. <laughs> and one of the one of the things that, that besides, I mean, but, you know, I had a wide leg, so I had all these Nikons. I had every kind of big camera you could ever had. I had these wonderful Mamiya's. I had all these things to work with. But they were so much trouble yeah compared compared to what i can do with the phone yeah. now i had to learn i had to i had to go to all that trouble to have the skill that i have to use this phone yes. the way i use it and so you know lots of people come to my workshops and and they want to make something like i made and they're not a photographer yet yeah that's a problem yeah. So first, I have to actually turn them into a photographer. Explain and your explain they your can workshops. Throw it out the window. Yeah, ex explain your workshops for us. Well, I, I do both an in introductory workshops. I I don't do as many of those anymore for people who who had you know some kind of photographic experience, but then said, um, I, I just like you said to begin with, they got tired of what happened when they had to take their DSLR and go load it into the computer and do all this stuff. They just, you know, they got tired of it and they lost their creative interest in it. Mm -hmm. So some people who had that happen, I do a day or a day and a half with to just teach them how to think about the cameras, the good cameras that are in the phone um, so that they get a high quality, high resolution image. And then what can they do to edit with it that they don't have to go get into all the cognitive overload that you can get into yes. with Photoshop. Yes. So I love that all the different apps do different things. I mean, I'm having a Photoshop liberation experience. <laughs> I gave Adobe a lot of my money for yes. years and years and years. <laughs> and um, I, I haven't been back in there. I use it to run my printer. But that's what all I use it for, because the different tools come at things more like an artist 
and they are more specialized. And I get to pick and not have to go weed through the menu Mm -hmm. in a big, overwhelming app to find the things that I want to do to this image. Because by the time I go do that and weed through all that, I've lost what it was I was feeling. Yeah. And so that doesn't happen to me anymore. Uh, And I would go back to that for anything. Right. (laughs) When I was first teaching down in Texas, I... I went back. I taught at University of Texas, and I and went back down there to share my enthusiasm six years ago, and um, talked to people that I had been in graduate school with, and talked to people who were running photography programs all over the state. And they came and they had these attitudes like, "Mary, for God's sake, I mean, you know how to really be a photographer. What are you doing this shit for?" <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. and I said, you know, you guys have got some attitudes here. So take off your cowboy hats and put up your boots and let's look at what we could do with this thing. Yes. And the the first weekend workshop that I did down there, my friend Stephen Goff came with his wife who and they were running this wonderful photography program uh, at Odessa College in Odessa, Texas. It's still one of the best places you could go in the world to learn any and everything you want about any kind of photography because they do it all there Hmm. from old, old, old processes all the way up to modern, modern, modern. But Steve came and by the time we got through the weekend, he was crying at the end when we were all going to go to supper. And he said, Mary, I just spent like, Hours, weeks of my time arguing with the administrators at the college to give me enough money to buy more Big Macs and more software. And my students didn't even want me to do that. They're already coming in with all their phones and they're doing all these things. And they said, you don't know what we can already do with our phones. Yes. And he said... I get it. Only (laughs) they don't understand how to be real photographers. And so now you have to come. And he he went and got a grant. You have to come and you have to like put our faculty together with these students and put us together on the same page about photography Mm -hmm. and iPhoneography. Mm -hmm. And I did for several weeks. And it was one of the best things I ever did in my life. That is because awesome. the students were the students were jumping into the conversation about real photography so that they actually paid attention to which apps they were using to try to make their images look like something they wanted them to look like. And and then the faculty were all going, wait a minute here. I watch my brain jump mm-hmm. through what I want to do with just these few apps. Instead of going all the way back into all those menus and all those routines and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I still, I mean, I, I am not somebody who thinks that it's a good idea to make a sloppy image and then try to turn it into something, you know, using filters and textures. <laughs> yes. uh, that's not my world. And, and I, and I'm not somebody who wants things to just be staying on the screen either. So the things that I teach in my workshops are how people need to think about 
the camera replacement apps that they're using and make sure that they're getting the highest quality files possible and the highest resolution. And then that what they're doing when they are using different apps, they're watching the EXIF data while they're doing the various kinds of manipulations and they are keeping or adding to the file data, mm. not getting rid of the data mm. file. Yeah. I print my images at 30 to 40 inches oh, wow. and out of the phone. And I'm serious about that. I'm, I don't like little eight by eight prints. That's not something I want to do. So I teach people how to think about what they're doing with the camera apps and then to watch what they're doing with various editing processes so that they end up with something that could be printed, even if they don't want to print it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I want to print it. That is that is awesome. I I am so glad to hear um, you know your story uh, because a, a lot of it resonate resonated with me um, just from my journey into iPhoneography. Um, you know I didn't have um, a career or anything like that in photography. It's always been an amateur um, uh, love. Uh, that's kind of redundant. Sorry. Um, a, uh, <laughs> uh, for, it's for photography point, there's amateur and then there's love. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it, I always, I always laughed when somebody say, Oh, you're just using your phone or, and I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, yes, but you don't understand that, you know, I have, uh, what I have in my hand and it's not, you know, actually I, I should take that back. It's not what I have in my hand that matters, but it is the processes. It is, um, the composition and, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of times you can have the most, um, technically correct image and nobody will want to look at it. Right. Well, and, because it didn't have you with it. Right. You know, technically, what you want is technically correct and full of your heart. Yes. And and then people are like, oh, show me that again. Yeah. What is that? I want that. Could I hang that on my wall? Yeah. That inspires me. I want that. And people were taking an iPhone or, you know, or even something, you know, a, a little point and shoot and creating art, you know, without spending the thousand thousands of dollars on large format or DSLR uh, cameras. Uh, not yeah. to say that, you know, people can't, but there no, was a great, if you, if you want that, it's yes. a, they're wonderful. They're wonderful tools. If that's what you want. But wonderful. There, but there was a, there was this Renaissance of people being able to do it with, with something they can slip right into their pocket and, yes. and process with. So, yeah. Well, in the visual communication, the visual conversation that has grown out of this is something that human beings never had before. So right. that's the other thing with I have an anthropology background as well. The this what we are doing, um, communicating with others with our images, is is something so exciting mm -hmm. that. In a million years, I don't want to go backwards. Do you know what I call the iPhone? 
It is no. It is the brownie of the twenty-first uh, century. Yeah, yeah. Except that you had to wait to go get your brownie processed. <laughs> well, be uh, before the brownie came out, you know, only people who were technically trained that were able to yeah. to do it were the ones taking the photographs. And then when the brownie right. came out, everybody was able to take a photograph. Well, we we had you know even you know up into the uh, the turn of the century, um, people could take pictures, but it was less people. Now everybody has a camera on them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you find who is either showing you a world that you didn't notice yet. Right. Or they find you who's showing them a world that they didn't notice yet. Yeah. And it really is a revolution in human communication. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I, you know, I, people call me an artist. I'm an artist. Absolutely. But I'm, I've also been a communication consultant for, you know, my whole life. And these things come together in the phone, the communication of what you see and what you feel without having to just reduce it to language mm -hmm. can be a very deep connection with people. Mm -hmm. I, I went to go meet so many people at first, like once I started doing any social sharing at all. At first, for the first year, I didn't share anything because I made my living with photographs. Are you kidding me? I'm not putting this stuff up in social media. They're going to steal my work. <laughs> They're going to do this stuff to it. And then after a while, I realized I was really missing something <laughs> yeah. so when i when i did start sharing first it was in im um before i mean as before we had instagram and um yeah. certainly uh, facebook wasn't like it is now for images but um when i when i first started sharing i i saw other people's images and they saw mine and those triggered conversations that triggered real connection, not a little connection. And then I got really curious about, okay, now am I just making this shit up? You know, do I think I know this person just because I keep watching the way they develop the images of their life experience? Do I really know them? And so I went down to the Bay Area and met some hipstamatic freaks, yeah. you know, a few years after I started sharing. Yeah. And I just, I was astonished they were exactly who I thought they were <laughs> from Hipsters. their images. No, <laughs> and now if any of you have ever did any computer dating or any email stuff, you know, if you think you're getting to know somebody through words, oh, gosh. well, good luck with that. Yeah. But these people were exactly who I thought they were. And, and we have developed deep friendships through our, values yeah and and values of light and dark and color values and framing values and and curiosity and exploration values mm -hmm. it's amazing that's awesome well i'm i am and then i met you guys because you oh i'm so sorry <laughs> so, so on, on tiny shutter i'm listening to tiny shutter because i have a student over in in um, 
Cape Cod, a group of people over there who said, there's this podcast, you should listen to it. It's these geeky guys talking about iPhone stuff. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I said, oh God, it's going to be a bunch of geeky guys talking about photography. Oh no. And then they said, no, no, it's really good. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> these were women. <laughs> and, and then I listened to the first time and I went, oh yeah, it's a bunch of geeky guys, but this is great. Oh, that's and great. Then, <laughs> and then y'all were talking about Dayflash. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, now I'm kind of really frustrated about kind of stupidity that's going on in Facebook these days. And so I'm going to look for some other social media and other ways to connect with people with images. And I went into Dayflash and it's such an interesting space. And they, this week they just stopped doing the reflash, which I think is a good thing. But, um, but then I, then I find Greg on there. Mike, and here I am talking to you. I am so glad you found Greg and not us. But you know, it's uh, <laughs> well. I did. Are you guys on day class too? I am, and me? actually, I just I just yeah. followed your account. So, um, well, that's about time. I, I know, right? Didn't find me. <laughs> well, I I so um on for the for the. Uh, processes of of time and everything uh um you know i i now I'm, it's geeky girls talking with geeky guys we better shut up no <laughs> no we see this is the this is the 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 great part about having a guest on is that you know sometimes it's like we could go on forever but uh the file's going to be too big for me to upload <laughs> right okay um so I'm shutting up now. Thank you for joining. Oh, well, no. Thank you so much for, um, you know, explaining what you do. You know, I was really thrilled when Greg came to us and said, hey, uh, I think we should uh, interview Mary. And I'm like, okay. And then I looked. I'm like, oh, that'll be that'll be fun. And, uh, so, so far I've thoroughly enjoyed it because a lot of what you said has resonated with how I felt. Um, especially when it came to, uh, you know, the processes and, and everything, the iPhone has been, uh, tremendous, uh, in, in my life for, uh, what I want to do. And just, and we're just scratching the surface too. So, you know, there's going to be hopefully a lot more, a lot more changes and, and a lot more innovations in what we can do in the palm of our hands. So thank you. You're so welcome. Mm-hmm. And thank you. And I hope right. you'll check out those two apps I told you about. Oh yeah, um, I'm you engine, uh, already I'm cost me money, Mary. <laughs> Mary, I, Mary. You cost me money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's only a small money. Yes. <laughs> no, I know. I I, I bought that. Uh, I'm an engine app. Good. I, I downloaded it. I started playing with it. I went to export an image, and it said, "Oh, you have to be a, you have to purchase a." a okay, fine. I bought it. <laughs> Good. It's it's crazy fun to play with it is yeah it's really cool we will have uh links to the apps uh on our in our show notes and so if you're looking for them go there and uh we will direct them uh toward uh towards them so all right let me go ahead and uh we're going to move into our uh post pick of the week Post Pick of the Week. 
All right. It is Dave's turn to pick. Yep. And this time we're picking from the Facebook group. Um, finishing up the two-week challenge here for plants that are not flowers. And actually, this was the the image. I mean, great images all around. But the one that really caught my eye was actually the very first image that was posted by Charles Brunson. Um, and let me uh, actually moved it off here. And it was actually a banana plant. Um, and there is a, I guess it's a, a leaf that's going right across the middle that looks curled up that is exceptionally bright red that you can actually see the shadow below and the reflection in the upper part of the leaf behind it. Um, and it's a, just a, it, it, the, the red is what caught my attention at first. Um, the overall image, I, I really like the composition of it, but that red just kind of shocks shocked you when you uh, first look at it. And it was, it was something that just kind of threw me off. Like I said, just seeing something that you weren't expecting. Yeah. What were your thoughts, Greg? Uh, yeah, the, the wow factor is, is definitely there with the, um, you know, like the deep, uh, what would you call it? Like a forest green color of the leaf itself. And, and then, you know, that red that just comes striking down through the center of it um what really another thing that catches my eye is the the texture of the leaf itself um i, I mean i think the it, it's hard to say what the main subject of this is whether it's both parts combined or or just the red down the middle or the, or the green but what catches my eye is the texture of the green leaf it looks like it's i've got a waxy type mm -hmm. of, te of texture to it or feel and um, it almost looked like looks like there's some possibly some water droplets on it, and um, you know the uh, the way the light's hitting it, it's uh, basically hitting it from above by the looks of it because of the shadow of the red. You said that's a leaf, Dave. That red. Um, I, I honestly, I'm I'm, 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 I am guessing here a hundred percent. It just kind of looks like it's a maybe a curled up leaf maybe i it looks, it looks again like i'm guessing flaming shoot. hot pepper is what it looks <laughs> like it no no well yeah but i mean i my i'm just kind of getting again pure guess here on my part but yeah 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 we, we are like, we are not botanists by any by, no. any, by any means thank here, goodness because so. we'd be um, terrible at it <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah the texture of the leaf kind of stands out to me too you know the um, you can see the light hitting it and the contours of, of the way the leaf kind of bends a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's just a striking image. Very cool. Uh, Mary, do you want to weigh in on the image? Well, I think, I think the only thing I can say is that it, it for me, there's three parts. There's the leaf and the, I think the red is a flower. Actually, I think it's part of the banana flower and the, um, the shadow the black mm. shadow that's falling on the leaf from the red makes the whole composition for me. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I like it. It looks um it, it looks cool. I like the 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 vignetting the you know because it accentuates the um 
uh, it, it accentuates the uh, the red and and the and the dark greens and removes the background, so it's not a distraction. Um, so it it is it's beautiful. I, I like it. Well, congratulations, Charles. You are our post pick of the week winner. If you'd like to be chosen as post pick of the week, you have two options. You can go on to our Instagram uh, hashtag, or and it's not ours, but you know you can go on Instagram and use the hashtag Tiny Shutter, um, or you can go on to our Facebook group and look for our weekly photo challenge. And actually, this is going to um, tie in a little bit with an announcement, um, but we are uh, we are going to choose our next weekly photo challenge. But instead of it being two weeks to do the challenge, we're actually going to change it to four weeks. And um, and so it starts uh, starts today, and it will go until. November 21st and the new challenge is going to be dusk. So get those uh, creative juices out and uh, figure out what dusk means to you. And uh, you have four weeks to do it. Uh, the reason why we are choosing to go four weeks is because we are moving from a format and Mary, you're getting, you're getting to be the first one to hear this. Um, we're going to change from a weekly format to a bi-weekly format. Um, we, uh, we're doing this for a couple reasons. One is, um, it gives us a little bit more time to be creative um, and, and helps us with content. Um, so instead of doing a, uh, a episode every single week, uh, we're going to go, uh, to every other week, uh, which means that the weekly photo challenges, uh, will be, uh, the post pick of the week will, uh, will change. So instead of two weeks, it's going to be four weeks. So two weeks from now, we'll pick the Instagram image and then two weeks from then we'll uh pick the uh the facebook image so uh we're doing that the other thing that we're we're trying to do is uh probably pick up a little bit more on youtube um and so hopefully you'll see more uh youtube videos of iphoneography um and it gives us time to kind of not worry about, okay, what do we want to talk about this week? But uh, we can we can dovetail the two and, um, and make it more interesting. So as of now, we're going to go from one, uh, uh, an episode a week to an episode every two weeks. And uh, there will be announcements or breaking news that may come up that we will jump in and do an, uh, an episode. Uh, but uh, for right now, it's going to be every other week. And uh, in the future, it may change back to weekly. So who knows? All right. Well, um, I think we have ourselves an episode. So uh, let me go ahead and I'm going to play 
<laughs> this. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Barely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's do this. Let's go around the room and uh, say where everybody uh, can find you. And Mary, would you please start us off by telling where people can find you? Sure. Um, well, you can find me on my blog first, which is iPhone Art Girl, all one word, at uh, iPhoneArtGirl.com. Cool. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook, where I am Mary Walker, M-E-R-I Walker. And on Instagram, I am uh, iPhone Art Girl. And on Flickr, I am the iPhone Art Girl. <laughs> and we will have your uh links and everything in our show notes uh dave where can they find you sure you can find me on instagram twitter dave flash is prof pod and on the facebook group is dave podner excellent greg well you can find me on twitter at uh, mcmillan underscore no yeah mcmillan underscore photo i still get these screwed up <laughs> and uh, on instagram mcmillan photo and on day flash is just mcmillan and on the artful iphonography community uh on the mighty bell networks uh, just as my name greg mcmillan Excellent. You can find me on Instagram and Dave Flash at Joseph Ferreira. You can find links to our show notes, to our Facebook group, uh, our YouTube channel, our stickers, everything else by going to tinyshutter.com. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on uh, our show and uh, letting everybody know, you know, uh, your philosophy and uh, how you do your art. It was a wonderful conversation. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's uh, it's a, a thing you can do besides just be a photographer. Yes. That is awesome. And hopefully we'll hear more from you too. So uh, thank you. I'd love it. And thank you for having me. I just can't tell you thank you enough. It's And I hope your audience members find this interesting. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, mm. along with you geeky guys, you may have all kind of geeky, <laughs> geeky followers. And, and so they might just be like, well, why did you even have that girl on there? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. You but, will. Um, you will I, I hope they'll come take a look at on my blog and, mm -hmm. and see what my work is. You will find that um, our community is very supportive. We we actually are very blessed to have the, the type of people that love. Uh, follow us because um it, uh, you know we are all different but at the same time everybody is very civil and supportive so we we we're very thankful for that it's great and greg thank you for finding me oh well it, it's been just a pure joy getting to know you over the last few days and uh um you know we will definitely be keeping in touch you bet more soon yeah yeah and I, I would just like to say one thing, Joe. Sure. I, I think we need to wish Craig Ellis a happy birthday. Oh, that's oh, right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Happy birthday, we'll Craig. We'll explain that one later, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, on that note, why don't you guys say goodnight to everybody? Okay. Good night, everybody. everybody. Have a great week.
All right. And we Make will see pictures. Yes. <laughs> and we will see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave us a review and a five star rating. See you next week. Everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Kowalski, what's our trajectory? 95% certain this will end in massive, flaming disaster. And the other 5%, irrelevant, sir. I, I, I thought you were dead. Oh, no, I told you. Well, I fibbed a little bit, but don't be mad. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Barely.